Haggai chapter 1. We'll continue our study here. Again, welcome to Sunday School. Good to have Brother DeGarmo back. And man, I'm excited for him to be teaching again so y'all can get properly fed. And while you're trying to find Haggai, uh, hopefully you've already found it, but uh, let me give you a, a reminder of where we're at, where we left off, and then we'll pick right back up. Um, remember, God had allowed Judea to go into Babylonian captivity for 70 years, and at the end of the captivity, the Persians came in. They overthrew the Babylonians, and then Cyrus, the king of Persia, issued a decree for uh, the Jews to return to Judea and to rebuild the temple. Things got off to a good start, but just as soon as political pressure came, they stopped. And uh, it was as if they were ready to stop, like they really could care less. And so work at the house of God ceased, and they took it as, well, we're facing opposition, therefore it must not be God's will. And that's such a common thing we hear is like, well, you know, I tried living for the Lord, but uh, things got a little tough, and I don't know, it just must not be God's will for me to be in whatever. And... That's too bad because really the Christian life is a bunch of obstacles Um, because if you're living for the Lord, there's an enemy that doesn't like it. And so the enemy comes in and and they use their political means. They get the work to stop and and yet the the Jews did not use their political means uh, at first. And so while things got off to a good start, they stopped. And then for years, the house of God was lying in waste. And during this time, they, instead of doing the work that God had called them to do, they um, began to build their own houses. And, and, and they were not just building houses. They were taking the houses they already had, and they were adorning those houses. They, they're called sealed houses here. They were um, making these houses very beautiful. The, the resources that they should have been investing in the house of God were being put into their own ventures, their own pursuits. And so um, God uh, is okay with us having a house. Thank God I have one because we must provide for our families, but we should not have these extravagant, lavish lifestyles that waste God's resources. Amen. And I've mentioned it before, but I know that there's places and they have Christian places and they have these million-dollar chandeliers, and it's like, why? It's just light. And so we've got to be careful about where our, our monies go. And uh, we, we've talked about that over the last couple of weeks, and I'm sure you're tired of me telling you to give and um, just so I can have a better, better life. And I'm just kidding. <laughs> And, and so God here, that he sends his prophet named Haggai to get the people refocused, get back to work on the temple, and remember that God through Haggai asked them, is it time for you? And, and that's convicting enough, I think, for many of us. Is it, is it time for you? Well, you don't understand. I got this and I got, is it time for you? God's work needs to happen. Uh, is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses and this house lie waste? And then God says, consider your ways. Our ways is our course of life. It's, it's the path we're on. There, there's, there's a trajectory to it where we're heading. And we have to consider the path that we're on because that path has consequences. 
right? And so God says, you have to consider your ways because you're not honoring me. You're not working for me. And because of that, this is not going to end well. Consider your ways. And so after that, God gives them um, the, the problem. He says, look, you're sowing much, but you're bringing in little. You're eating, but you're never full. You're drinking, but your thirst is never quenched. You're, you're clothed, but you're never warmed. You have money, but it's like you're putting it into a bag with holes. God gives them the remedy in verse 8. He says, look, you need to go up to the mountain. You need to get some wood, and you need to get back to work on building the house of God. And so God says, what, what you need to do is what you should have been doing all along. You just need to get back to work on what I've called you to do. And then we saw in verses 9 through 11 that God withheld his blessings because they had forsaken the work at the house of God. And so our, our, our message last week, as we concluded, was this. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all these things shall be added unto you. We want everything to be added unto us before we seek the kingdom. But that's not what God says. So we've got to seek first the kingdom of God. We've got to keep God first. We cannot forsake God and his work and expect to be blessed. But if we'll honor God with what is his, with the first fruits of all our increase, the Bible teaches that our barns will be filled. And that's not just some form of modern-day prosperity gospel. That's what the Bible says. We just need to get back to work for God. All right. For today, let's read verses 12 through 15. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him, and the people did fear before the Lord. Then spake Haggai, the Lord's messenger, in the Lord's message unto the people, saying, I am with you, saith the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and did work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, in the fourth and twentieth day of the sixth month, in the second year of Darius, the king. Now, this is amazing. Here's a people who have become apathetic to the work of God, And they have become indifferent to God himself by forsaking the work of God. And and I love how people try to justify, no, 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 I still love God. What are you doing for God? I'm not really doing anything. That doesn't go together. And so um, they, they had become apathetic to God and they had become indifferent to God. But God in his mercy sends a prophet. He sends a man of God to show the people the error of their ways. And it's not like it was a very gentle message to hear. We can read it with a little bit of gentleness, but if you were the one living in the sealed houses in that day and some man shows up and tells you, you know what your problem is? You're wasting all this money on your house. So it wasn't like it was an easy message to hear. Uh, I don't think they would have enjoyed hearing it personally. But is it time for you? Consider your ways. Your labors are not being blessed by God. Consider your ways. And I yelled way too much last night. Get back to work on the house of God. Then God will be pleased and glorified 
and will heal your land. And yet, when they hear this very piercing message, they receive the message. And the leadership received it, and it went throughout all the remnant of the people. Everybody received the message. We see in verse 12 that they obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. Now, what was interesting to me as I was studying for this is in verses 12 and 13, there's a strong emphasis on the prophet. And, and you don't really see this a whole lot with the other prophets. You may hear, read something like this, the word of the Lord which came unto Isaiah. And then he'll give the word, thus saith the Lord. And, and here it mentions Haggai a lot, and it talks about him this way. And, and, and just to be honest, I'm not sure this is something I would have noticed if I would have never become a pastor. But there's a special emphasis here on God's messenger. And, and people say they would obey the message of God if it was God who was speaking to them face to face. And by the way, that's going to be true. Because when we stand before God, we're not going to argue we will not be able to resist that. And even the lost who will stand before God will take a knee. They will bow before the Father. They will confess with their mouth the Lord Jesus. And so th th that is true on the face-to-face -face aspect of that. But there's the problem that that's not how God operates. Now, if you've had a face-to-face -face encounter with God, I'd like to speak to you afterwards. <clears throat> It's just not going to happen. God already came and dwelt among us. He already came face to face with us. And, and, and he's, he's already done that. And, and God left us his holy word. He gave his life for us. And even though creation speaks of God, and even though God speaks through his word, the only audible message that you're going to hear is from God's people. God's people. When we gather together corporately, God has chosen to speak through God-called men. That's His formula. Notice what we just read here. They obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. And what does it say? And the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him. And then in verse 13 it says, Then spake Haggai the Lord's messenger in the Lord's message unto the people. The people were not hearing God audibly, but they heard from God. They heard God through God's messenger. God sent Haggai and God spoke to Haggai, who in turn spoke to the people what God had spoke to him. Now, before some of you think this is some kind of weird hocus-pocus stuff, you can ask someone who has tried to walk with God for any length of time, being faithful to the house of God, and they'll be able to testify something like this. They might go up to the pastor at some point and say, man... That's exactly what I needed. God spoke to me. Now, all they heard was man's voice, right? The Spirit was at work. And so, 
there's been times where someone will come up and they'll say something like this. You must have bugged my house. I don't know if that's ever happened to somebody. I remember the most obvious occurrence of that in our lives was when we were in uh, Mississippi. And we would sit on the back porch and we would talk about the next step that we believe that God may have for us. And I thought the doors were closed and I was all ready to go build a house in Tennessee. And we, I remember we were talking, I can't remember exactly the conversation that night, but that Sunday we came into church and Pastor Paul Perkins got up to preach. And it may have even been a Wednesday, doesn't matter. Got up to preach and, and I went up to him after the service and I said, Pastor, you must have bugged our back porch because you were preaching on exactly what we had been talking about. And it was so eerie that he was using the same phrases we were using. Now, he assured me he hadn't bugged my home. Yeah. And, and, I mean, it happens, right? If you've ever, you know, you ever tried to walk with God, it, it happens. And, and so, um, anyway, we didn't share any of those details with anyone. No one. Uh, because I didn't want anybody influencing me from the outside. I wanted to know it was of God. And so I just kept my mouth shut. And, and I remember when he said those things, we're sitting there going. Needless to say, I knew God was speaking right at me. You see, he was just being obedient to what God gave him to say. Right? Here's my point. I know God was talking to me, but God was not speaking to me audibly. Are you with me? I preached once at another church years ago, and you'll probably remember this. And um, I had a different message when I got up in the pulpit, and God just impressed upon me to preach something different. And that's always fun <laughs> when you've prepared a message, and yet God says no. I want you to go over to this text, and I want you to preach this, and you have nothing prepared for it. And so um, I, I kind of stopped when I got in the pulpit. I just kind of stopped, and I prayed, and, and I'm sure people thought maybe something was wrong. I don't know, but God told me what to preach, and um, I, I preached it. Little did I know what was going to happen afterwards. I was filling in for a preacher who was out of town, and um, when he got back, the people were mad at him. And they said, why were you telling that preacher everything that's going on in this church? And they thought he had told me what was going on there. And I, I'm telling you, he hadn't said a word. And he, he hadn't told me anything. And, and I'm just telling you, it's not some hocus pocus, but it's God at work. God uses people to speak to other people. That's how we got saved. Some of you may have gotten saved simply by the Word of God and no other outside influence, but probably most of us at some point had somebody speaking to us the Word of God. And we heard that message audibly from a servant of God, but it was God speaking to the heart to get us to go to Him. And so God just uses people, is what I'm saying. Um, we, we have to be vessels that are ready to be used. In verse 12, it was called the voice of the Lord their God. 
but it is also called the words of Haggai the prophet. In verse 13, Haggai is called the Lord's messenger who speaks the Lord's message. And the people obeyed Haggai's message. (laughs) They understood it was from God. That's every pastor's dream, amen. Um, And it's interesting how this unintentionally parallels what was mentioned Sunday night from Joshua chapter 1. If you'll remember, those who were here that night, uh, we read this. And they answered Joshua, saying, All that thou commandest us, we will do. And whithersoever thou sendest us, we will go. According as we hearkened unto Moses in all things, so will we hearken unto thee. Only the Lord thy God be with thee as he was with Moses. Joshua was God's man chosen to succeed Moses. And the people recognized his calling, his authority, but they also knew, look, if you expect me to follow you, then you better be following God. Because that's how cults get started. Yeah, I'll follow you anywhere. Next thing you know, you're on a compound. That'd be all right with me, but, you know, I'm all for compound living, you know, just everybody, just get away. Just so long as I'm the only one on the compound. You can come along, should she gave me that look, like, hmm. <laughs> keep pushing it, and you, you're not going to be there. <laughs> we'll put you a little tin out there. Amen. Uh, anyway, <laughs> where am I at? And so what we find in the Bible is that every time Israel would listen to God's message through God's man, they would repent and be blessed. But every time they refused to hearken and, and rebel, they would be cursed, Remember when Israel wanted to be like all the other nations? And they went to Samuel the prophet, and they said, give us a king to judge us. Now, Samuel warned them what would happen. He told them what what a king would do, what he would be like, the problems that would arise from that. And Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, nay, but we will have a king over us. By the way, that's 1 Samuel 8, 19. In every generation, there are those who don't want someone godly telling them what to do. Every generation. I know we like to act like we're in the worst generation the world's ever seen, but I'm telling you, there's some pretty messed up stuff back there in Judges. There's some pretty messed up stuff back there in Genesis. And so it's been way worse than this, but every generation has, has people that do not want to hear someone godly telling them what to do. In Israel's case, in Samuel's day, it wasn't that they didn't want someone telling them what to do. They just didn't want God's man telling them what to do. And so they said, give us a king. They still wanted somebody to tell them what to do. We don't want God and his prophet, but we want a king. People are rebellious to godly authority in their sin nature. But even the wicked have people telling them what to do. Just look at street gangs. There is a hierarchy. The mafia, in which I used to be highly affiliated with. Bruxellini. There's a hierarchy, right? Um, there's, there's always somebody that, and, and, and really the, the, just side message there, but people want structure. It's proven. I mean, that's, that's why they join these gangs and things like that. And they wouldn't put it in those words, but I don't want my parents telling me what to do. So I'm going to go join this gang. 
Um, but but we, we have people telling us what to do. It's just that we don't want godly people telling us what to do. And the more that that prevails in a society, the more that there's a rejection of God's message and his messengers, the more that a culture will do whatever is right in their own eyes. They'll do whatever seems good to them, just like we're seeing in America today. Well, you can't tell me what to do. Yep, and in one generation we have totally gone all in on the homosexual movement and embraced the transgender movement. And we're at a place today where if you feel like a woman today as a man, you can go into a woman's restroom so long as you felt like a woman at that moment. That's where we're at. Every man doing what is right in their own eyes. Now, we need to reach those people with the gospel. But the Bible is clear that that's still an abomination to God. But not many today are listening to God's message. Thank God for the remnant. But overwhelmingly, people in America are doing what is right in their own eyes. But it's not just the wicked. It's church folks too. Well, I don't care what the pastor says. I'm just going to do my own thing. And so the people have no regard for rules, standards that are set. Right? Uh, well, I don't care. That's a stupid standard. I've told you a hundred times, I don't like wearing a suit. But I do it because I want to respect what God said about the high priest. So, church people are the same way. I'm going to preach a message at some point on the word deference because that's what's missing today. Deference, defined by Noah Webster, is this a yielding in opinion. Submission of judgment to the opinion or judgment of another. Hence, regard, respect. We often decline acting in opposition to those for whose wisdom we have great deference. End end of his definition. So in short, yield yourself to the higher standard. Yield yourself to the higher standard. Um, But I don't want to yield myself to the higher standard. I know. Because you want to rebel against godly authority. Look, you're a Sunday school crowd. Just say amen. Y'all are the good ones. If this was Sunday morning, I would expect it to be quiet, but this is Sunday school. And so um, it's yielding to the higher standard. When you do this, you don't become a stumbling block to others. When Adrian and I first became independent Baptist. Uh, yeah. Now, having been raised Southern Baptist, we had no understanding of standards whatsoever. And uh, that's just the facts. And And so... When, when we first got exposed to independent Baptist in Korea, we weren't there really long enough to get immersed. We go to Mississippi, knew that we wanted to be in an independent Baptist church, so we found one down there in, in Ocean Springs, and um, they had standards. What y'all got standards for? I mean, I can't just wear my shorts and flip-flops in the church? Now, they would have never kicked you out, but um, <clears throat> you could tell something was up, Right? I mean, women look like independent Baptists, you know, and it was like, what's going on around here? And, and, and I've given the testimony before. Pastor Ed Decker was so kind, and, and he kind of showed us some things from the Bible on why he stood where he stood. And I said, Pastor, I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't understand all that. I'm, I'm new to this. This is a lot for me to take in right now. But we are going to obey your standards so long as we are here. 
Now that's deference. That's being able to put yourself on the back burner and say, you know what? I just want to do what's right for the entire flock. And so we yielded to the higher standard. Uh, Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. And so I'm going to give an account one day. And I'd like to do that with joy. And uh, I don't think we've asked anything unreasonable here. But um, people today just simply don't want to obey authority. Now, I realize some pastors have given people good reason to not want to obey them. There's a lot of scoundrels out there. I get that. And I know for some of those people, it takes a lot of counsel and, and many years of building trust. But if you have a God-called pastor, which you do, <laughs> Amen. I mean, I'm the only one that can preach this. Justin's not up here doing it. I said, Justin, will you please preach something about the pastor being really kind and cool? And, and he said, no, no, no doing. And so um, since he didn't want to do it, I got to do it. And, and just submit yourself to the reasonable request. I don't think that's too much to ask, but... Um, then again, I come from a military background, raised by a military dad, and um, I just always understood you do what you're told or else there's consequences. And anyway, I can't make you have consequences, amen. Boy, if we did, whew, we'd be running about five. <laughs> no, because you wouldn't even show up. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Now, I hope you know me well enough. I don't go sticking my nose where it doesn't belong. Um, I don't ever go to somebody's house and say, boy, i got to tell you what's, what's wrong with your house. i got enough of my own problems. <laughs> um, I don't need to go trying to find your problems. Um, I'm not a nitpicker. But uh, if you come to me and you are given book, chapter, verse, why buck against the Word of God? Because it's God's message. Amen. Um, and that goes for things said from the pulpit as well. Some people get mad at things that are set up there like, like I've got nothing better to do than examine your life. Um, and, and they just get mad at what's said. Um, before you get mad at the preacher and assume everyone's talking about you, ask yourself if what's being said is from the Bible. And don't think that you're so important that everyone just has to sit around talking about you. That's pride. I know they're talking about me. Why? What makes you so? <laughs> you know how many people leave over that? Yeah. Well, I know, I know what they said. What they say? Well, I don't know what they said, but I know they're saying something. <laughs> yep. Because I have no other responsibilities in life but to worry about what Tom Furs is doing 24-7. <laughs> Everyone's against me. Yep. That's all we do. We sit around and pick on you. Now, we do have some busy bodies in the church, and whenever they rear their head, I tell them to chill out. But for the most part, the rest of us are way too busy to be consumed with you and your paranoia. Anyway, so God's man delivers God's message, and the people obeyed the Lord and feared before the Lord, and this is how blessings from God will flow. 
Now, there's, there's a building that's going to take place here as we look at this. Um, we've already established that God wasn't being obeyed, but notice how disobedience to God is due to a lack of the fear of God. Because once they obeyed again, the Bible says they also feared. And so if we're not obeying God, it's because of a lack of fear of God. Also notice, as this builds, they obeyed God, they feared God. Then in verse 13, God says, I am with you. If we want God with us, then we have to be obedient to God, and we have to fear God. And I think many churches today lack the power of God because there's a lack of the fear of God. Some churches have no reverence for God, and they do not worship God in the beauty of holiness. You ought to see some of the stuff that's going on out there. I mean, beach balls being hit hit around during Easter services. I'm serious. Um, It's insanity what's going on out there. They have a following. But they have no power of God. And I want the power of God in this place. I want God's presence. I want to know that God's going to look down at Liberty Baptist Tabernacle and say, I am with you. That's what I want. But this keeps building. God sends his messenger to speak his message. The people obey and fear the Lord. God ends up with them. And once God is with them, we see in verse 14 that he then stirs the spirit of the people. Do you see how this is building? To stir up is to awaken the people. Many are sleeping in church today, not physically, but they're asleep because they don't obey and they don't fear. And why is that? It's because they're not following, hearing the message of God. And it just keeps going. And, and so we, there's a lot of people that need to wake up. And there's, a time, there's times when we have to be uh, awakened out of our apathetic state. And God sends preachers to do that. Those seasons where we don't want to do the work of God as we know we should be doing it. And so God begins to stir His people This is another great reason why you need church in your life. This never comes up on Sunday morning. If you're not faithful to the house of God, then how are you being stirred up? You're not. But instead, you're being stirred up by sports, hobbies, social media, on and on. It's amazing what gets our attention when we begin to enter a state of spiritual slumber. 1 Corinthians 15, 34 says, Awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. And and that might be one of the main areas churches get apathetic is reaching the lost. And they need to be stirred. And and we're trying to do that here. We're building up to something, I believe. and, And we've got to get back to reaching Jerusalem. And so God begins to stir. Isaiah 51, there's twice where it says, awake, awake. 
One says, awake, awake, put on strength. And the other says, awake, awake, stand up. We need to be stirred from time to time. You may recall recently in our Sunday night series, we talked about how the eagle stirreth up her nest. Same, same Hebrew word. Um, and so it's a stirring, it's an awakening. And I would ask you this morning, what stirs you? What awakens you? If it isn't the work of God, then there's a heart issue. And I'll guarantee you there's a lack of obedience and fear and a lack of heeding God's message. In verse 14, we see the leadership is stirred up and also the remnant of the people. And we might can make the same application of this building upon one another here as well because what we find is perhaps the leadership first gets stirred up and then it starts to reverberate throughout the people. And so that, that could be the case here. I, I don't really know that it's funneling down necessarily. But if the leadership is awake, then there's hope that the people will also wake up. And as we've seen this building, it continues to do so um, at the end of verse 14. But before I get there, I've, I've, I missed a spot here. You ever been in a dead church? Ain't it fun? You shouldn't say ain't. Well, it woke you up. Um, I've gone to a dead church. I've never joined a dead church. But I've been to a dead church. And you know what I discovered? The leadership's just as dead. No fire. No, no excitement. No, I, I try to tell you as often as I can, I, I love what I'm doing. Yeah, I want to ram my head through the wall, but I love it. it it's fun. Um, and, and so it's something where we've got to, if we don't want to have a dead church, look, it's going to start here. And then it's going to go throughout all these other key people. And then it's going to reverberate throughout the, the church. Wake up. So God's messenger speaks uh, God's message. The people receive it. They obey in fear. Then God shows up. Then the spirit of the people is stirred up and awakened. But what are they awakened to? Well, look. notice at the end of verse 14. And they came and did the work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. <laughs> the people had to be stirred back to work. They had to wake up to what their problem was. And once they woke up, they got back to work to building the house of the Lord. So I hope you see this progress here. It's going to start all the way back there. And, this, and you can just see this play out in your mind, I'm telling you. Where uh, a, a, a God-called preacher steps in there, begins to preach the Word of God, and there's going to be some that are like, eh. And guess what? They never go on to fear. They never go on to obey. They never go on to stir up. And they never go on to serve. And so as these steps begin to take place, all of a sudden, the work on the house of the Lord resumes. And what amazes me is, is when, we've already read this in the past, so I'm just going to read it here real quick. But what amazes me is when you go over to Ezra and you see what was taking place at the time that this is being written or spoken, the Bible says in Ezra 5.8, Be it known unto the king, this is the enemies talking about Judea, the Jews in Judea, that we went into the province of Judea to the house of the great God, which is builded with great stones and timber is laid in the wall. Now listen to this. 
the work goeth fast on and prospereth in their hands. <laughs> and so there's this building process. And first, God's going to send a messenger who's going to preach God's message. The people are going to have to receive it. They're going to have to obey it. They're going to have to fear the Lord. And then they're going to have to get stirred up. And then as they get stirred up, they got to get stirred up to do the work of God. But I'm telling you this, once the people get on board and they get stirred up and they get to work, the Bible says that the work went on with great speed and it prospered. And that's what we need in churches today. I don't want to do a work just to spin my wheels. I want it to prosper. Well, you realize we're living in the last days. God never changes. We can see revival today. If this pattern at the end of Haggai chapter 1 is followed... The work of God will move along. It will prosper in our hands. And I hope you want this work, which we call Liberty Baptist Tabernacle, to prosper and move forward. So I'm curious as we wrap this up, where are we at corporately in this? And where might you be in this individually? God sends a messenger who preaches his message. If received, there's obedience and fear. And then God is with us if we do that. And then the people are stirred. And then the work of God resumes and prospers. I don't know if you can find yourself in that list or not. Maybe you're not even open to the message from God's messenger. Maybe there's something about me you don't like. I don't part my hair the right way. I don't know. But if you've got something against me, let's get it right. And, and, and really, that needs to be for our sake. But for the greater good, it needs to be so this church can just get going. Maybe you hear it, but you refuse to fear and obey it. <clears throat> Those are the ones I believe that come in and get out. They'll come back in and they'll get back out. I hear the message. I know I need to obey it. Eh. I get back in because my life's a mess. I hear it. I'm going to try to obey it. And then you get back out. And it just kind of bounces back and forth. But if you'll get a hold of of the message and then you'll fear it and you'll obey it, I promise you, you'll begin to get stirred up. These are those who come and say, Preacher, I I just feel like I need to be doing something. What can I do around here? And we got plenty for you to do. These chairs are all crooked. We can put you to work. And and, and so those who get stirred all of a sudden, they're, um, hey, I, I don't know what exactly God wants me to do. I know God wants me to do something. And then as, as, as those who are getting stirred, here, here's what they'll do. Those are the ones that all of a sudden get to work. And those are the ones we look back with reverence over a lifetime of serving God. And we say, look, 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 at, these, look at these men. How, how were they able to stay with it so long? I'll tell, you, I'll tell you how they were able to do that. It started all the way back here when God's man was preaching God's message. 
and that it was listened, it was heeded, it was observed, it was obeyed and feared. And then they got stirred up, and then they just got to work, and the work just prospered. Why did the work prosper? Because they stayed with it. I was really meditating a lot after this last fellowship that we went to about um, the, the old saying, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And I believe that's true. The, the older I get, I believe that's true. It's, it's not about those who, you know, have a zeal without knowledge. But it's about those who, as they get knowledge and understand how tough all this is, say, I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to keep teaching those kids. Amen. Even though parents are going to be ornery. Why do we have this rule? Is it a reasonable request? Then put on the blue pants. What does it hurt? Amen. I don't like those goofy hats. I don't like them either. You see, the way, you see the way Carson wears that hat? He's got it like way back here. You, know, you need to wear that thing forward like a, yeah. sa- like a sailor. Yeah. Not like some Cracker Jack box, you know. Anyway, we, we, we could go down the rows here and we could talk about issues you've had in the ministry and all that kind of thing. But Because uh, all of y'all have been serving. I thank you for it. But listen, you just got to stay with it. Just stay faithful. And, and if you find yourself starting to slip, I'm, I'll tell you where the answer is going to lie. You need to go all the way back to step one, and you need to get under God's message. Church is so important. Church is so important. So can you find yourself in that list? Um, if you're not doing the work of God, then work backwards and see what's holding you back. Um, and as you work yourself backwards, you'll find out you need to go back to square one. Because if you were doing the work of God and you stopped, it's because you're not being stirred. And if you're not being stirred, it's because you stopped fearing and obeying. And if you stop fearing and obeying, it's because you stopped listening to the message. And so you've got to go all the way back. Anyway, I hope all that made sense. Can you beat that time, brother? Nobody takes care of you better than I do. He'll be done at 10.30 next week. I don't want to get into chapter 2, so let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the Sunday school hour, for every teacher that's teaching in this facility, for every student. Thank you so much for the service of your people. Thank you for these who count Sunday school important enough to be in. Lord, we don't need less preaching. We need more. And so I thank you for these that are here. Would you bless them for their attendance and... Lord, as we go into the morning service, we ask a very special uh, blessing. We look for your presence to be among us because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there would be liberty. And that's what we need this morning. Lord, would you just anoint the choir and help the singers and just anoint the preaching from on high. And God, please, if there's a lost soul here today, might they give their heart to you, please. That's why you came. That's why you died. And how wonderful it would be to leave here to know that there's rejoicing in heaven over a sinner that's come to repentance here today. Because if I remember correctly, most of the message is going to center around that. And so, Lord, I pray that you would just speak to hearts. For Christ's sake, amen.